teaches us, as God said in his word, don't you ever blame me for, being you, for you being tempted. And that's really what God said. He used James to make the statement. He said, don't you blame me for your temptations. And, and, and God's greatest desire was not to have that present in the world to begin with. Because when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, it was perfect, wasn't it? And so uh, Satan came and he brought forth that temptation. And when that temptation came, Eve had an opportunity to uh, walk away from that. She did not. And Adam allowed it to happen. Instead of protecting his bride the way Jesus Christ does with his local church, he allowed his bride to go and be tempted. And he let that occur because God heard him, held him personally accountable for what took place. And when it tells us in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world. You see, he put that onus on Adam, didn't he? And so he allowed that to occur. And one of the things you've got to learn, you've got to learn the source and the consequences of going into temptation. You know, there's a price to be paid for sin, and it's heavy at times. And it's a price and a cost that we're not willing to pay sometimes. But we allow ourselves to be tempted, and listen, temptation is simply that until we act upon it. And when you act upon it, it becomes sin. And so you have to be mindful of the fact of this temptation. Now, God gives us a clear picture of his role in temptation and man's role and the results of giving in to temptation. So God said, listen, I don't have a role in this, in the sense of you're being tempted. You say, well, wait a minute. God proves us. He allows us to go through the test. But the fact is, is he wants you to choose him over what's happening. Now, he didn't put the test in front of you sometimes, but he allows you to be tested. And so you say, well, how do you know that for sure? Well, we'll get into it in just a moment. And you can see where <clears throat> it wasn't God that wanted to tempt Job. Who wanted to tempt Job? He went before God and said, hey, I want to tempt this man. And, uh, and God allowed it to happen, but God did not do it. And so it happened in that sense. And so sometimes these temptations that are set before us are simply coming by choice and by us making decisions. You can find the power, I believe, to overcome temptation, and we really can. And that power is in Christ Jesus. And you'll see this in the scriptures that we have the power to overcome temptation. And that power is provided to us by the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us. And so we can overcome temptation in our lives by turning to the truths in the Bible, and then we have to put them into practice. We can't just say, well, that's just words on paper. No, God's Word is alive. And He told us that we put off, remember that former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust? And He told us to do something. He said, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which is after righteousness and true holiness. It's after God. And so there is a plan, and God has a plan in place for us to do this. So what I'm challenging you with tonight is, are you using the power of the Word of God to conquer the desire to do wrong? Are you using the Word of God to conquer the desire to do wrong? And I'm telling you, if you're th thinking about Christ and talking to Christ and praying to Christ and, and you're in His Word, I'm telling you, when you're thinking about Jesus, it's hard to sin. It is very difficult to sin when he's on your mind. And, and so I want to challenge you in that arena tonight. And I, are you giving uh, the ability to uh, triumph over these temptations? Yeah, we are. We can triumph over sin, and, and we've been given the triumph over sin. And it's in Christ Jesus. If you're here tonight and you're saved, we no longer serve sin. Uh, we have the ability to serve Christ. Now, an unsaved man can't do that. He can only choose to serve sin. <laughs> And the choice that we have now is sin may be there and temptation may be there, 
but Christ is here, and God said, you now have a choice. And, and we need to be dead to sin. We're freed from that now. We're no longer a slave to it. And so we have to understand sin in our lives as saved people comes by choice. We choose to do things. Now, I want to show you in the Scriptures what I mean by what I'm sharing with you. And there's some lessons to be learned about to, an ability to triumph over these temptations. One thing that you have to first recognize is God does not tempt man. The Bible says that, doesn't it? God doesn't tempt us. And the second thing is this. Man, uh, when he is tempted, it's by his own lust. It's, it, he's being drawn in by the things that he has a lust for. Now, we usually use that terminology to always indicate sexual improprieties or uh, stuff like that, but it's not necessarily that. You can lust after anything. And, and the fact is, is that that's what entices us is we're drawn away of our own lust and then realize that sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. And when we sin, it comes with consequences. And listen, it doesn't only affect us sometimes, and you don't realize it, but you have no idea how far-reaching our sin can be. So when we look to the Scriptures, the one, first lesson we have to learn is that God does not tempt man. So to, to tempt is to entice. God never entices you to do wrong. I want you to understand that. When the Bible says God does not tempt man, God never entices you to do wrong. He never does that. And so to entice a person in this, God never entices anyone to do evil, but he will allow us to be tested. Now, when it's set before us, we have a choice to make, don't we? When it's right in front of me, I can either go toward it or I can turn away from it. I can either allow myself to walk into it or I can walk away from it. And in a moment, I'm going to share with you, and I, I shared this with you the other night, what is sin? I want you to have a biblical understanding of sin. Now, what we like to do when we talk about sin is we want to talk about all these little things, everything that goes on around us. I want you to understand anything that goes against the truth of the Word of God is sin. And, and so there's unrighteousness, and I'll define this for you, and I'm going to show you in the Bible what it really says. But what I'm trying to get you to get your arms around is God's never going to entice you to do wrong. And you need to have that in your head that God never entices a man to do wrong. Never. Did he entice Satan to do wrong? Absolutely not. Satan made a choice. You go back to Isaiah and you see the five I wills, you realize Satan made a choice. He chose to go against God. It's important if you're going to overcome temptation, you've got to learn that God is never responsible for your temptation and you are never to attribute that to the Lord. In fact, uh, a beautiful verse in the Old Testament, I love it. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God's never looking to try to do anything wrong to us. He has an expected end for us. You know what his expected end is? Is that we love him freely, and, and that we do this out of a good conscience, and that we desire Him over our own will. We desire His will over ours. And He has an expected end for us. And the Lord allowed Job to be tested, but never put a temptation in front of him. It was Satan that put forth the temptation. Christ Himself was temp uh, not tempted by God. And when you think about this, uh, you see this, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. It says in Matthew 4, 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness, and listen, to be tempted of the devil. God wasn't tempting him. The devil was tempting Jesus. And by the way, 
A lot of times our temptation isn't even the devil anymore. It's just simply our flesh. <laughs> when man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, you see, it's our own desires sometimes that pulls us away and pulls us into sin. Now, the challenge for you is to think about this. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 real quick. I want you to see something here. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Now watch this. In verse 1 of chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So he made the serpent. Didn't he? And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What's he doing? God never said you can eat of every tree of the garden. Did God say that? He didn't say that. God never said that to Eve. He never spoke those words. He said you can have anything you want of any tree in the garden, but, or any, anything in the garden, but you cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and what? Evil. Think about what Satan just did there. He twisted God's words, didn't he? Yeah, didn't God say you can have anything you want out of this garden? <laughs> now watch this. And he says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Now, did she know? But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So here's Eve. She actually knew what God said, didn't she? And she now had a choice to make, didn't she? So the serpent comes back and he says this, and the serpent said unto her, unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. What's he doing? He's twisting God's words. He said, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that day ye shall surely what? Is that not what God said? <laughs> and the devil comes over and he goes, ye shall not surely die. And now watch what he does. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What a tempter, isn't it? He's trying to tempt her to make her think something different about what God has said about himself to this couple. And so what happens? And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, uh-oh, you know when I read that? She looked over, and in her mind, she was like, well, that's food. So, it, it's good for food. So, what would be wrong with eating it then? What just happened? <laughs> she allowed Satan to convince her of something. Now, watch this. And that it was pleasant to the what? Eyes. Look at me for just a minute. Sin is pleasant to the eyes sometimes. Listen to me. Sin is pleasant to the eyes sometimes. I mean, look at what they do with alcohol sometimes. Now, I'm just throwing this out. Well, how do they bottle it? They bottle it in pretty bottles, don't they? I mean, go look at a, a bottle of Crown Royal and look at that stuff, man. I mean, it's bottled in a beautiful bottle. But inside that bottle, you get into that thing too much, and it's going to lead you down a path, right? And what's going to happen to you? You start getting into that bottle, and it's going to lead you away from God because something else will be controlling you. Now, that's just a sin. This is just a sin. But what it was is they disobeyed God. And when you disobey God, folks, that is sin, when you disobey God. And so it says, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired, <laughs> to make one wise. 
she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, I want you to know something. He was there when this happened. He wasn't somewhere else. He was there when it happened. And it says right in that passage that he was right there. So here's the idea behind this. God didn't tempt those two people. Did God tempt Adam and Eve in that garden? Absolutely not. In fact, God told him what the criteria was for the garden, didn't he? And he said, you got a rule. <laughs> One, don't eat of that tree over there. So what did Satan have to do? <laughs> he had to get her over there to see this thing and to desire it. By the way, when we know that we're going to be tempted by something or someone or something in our life, stay away from it. Don't go near it. Don't go over and say, I wonder how close I can get to it before I fall into sin. Stay away from it. When you think about this, temptation versus sin is this. If Eve had said to, 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 uh, to the serpent, you know what? God said no, and she turned and walked away. She was tempted, but she didn't do what? She didn't sin. But that's not what happens. What happens is she was tempted, and she entered into it, which made it what? Sin. That's us. The temptations are there. You don't have to give in to it, but when you do, it becomes sin. Now, God made the serpent, but there was a choice made by both these individuals. And the Lord does not and cannot have any desire to do wrong. God does not desire to do wrong. And he's not going to tempt people to do wrong because that's not the God that we serve. And so when, when you're being tempted, you have to realize this is not of God. It's either of Satan, of the flesh, of the world, and those are the things that are tempting me. And when I'm enticed and I'm drawn away, the idea is I'm being pulled into it, we're enticed and we're drawn away by our own lust, the things that we desire, more so than the word or the truth of God's word. Now, what the Lord teaches us is that he provides us the ability to overcome temptation. And, and folks, listen to me. I learned this verse a long time ago. And the reason that I did is we all fall into temptations at times, but we don't have to give in to temptation. And the reason that we do not have to give in to temptation is because God is faithful. Now, here's what I want to share with you. I'm not faithful. God is faithful. Amen? When you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, the Bible clearly says this, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So here's the thing. You can say, you just don't understand, Pastor. No, I don't. God does, though. Because he told me in the scriptures this truth. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. What he's saying is, everybody's tempted. Now, what it says in the scriptures after that is this. He tells us this statement, but he says, There hath no temptation you, uh, taken you, but such as is common to man. But this phrase follows next. But God is faithful. Don't ever forget that. God is faithful. Amen? God will not let you down. God will not cause you to do wrong. God will not lead you into temptation. He'll lead you from temptation. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. The Bible says this, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. God will not allow it to go on above that you are able. Now, God is faithful, not me, he is. God is faithful. And he's not going to allow it to come at me so strongly that I can't overcome it. 
But I want to tell you how I'm going to overcome it. When I look at the passage, he says this. It will not tempt you above the, uh, allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with that temptation also make a way to escape. God is faithful that when you are tempted, he gives you a way out. Did you hear me? God is faithful that when you are tempted, he gives you a way out. He gives you a way to escape the temptation. Temptation is not sin. Sin is when I enter into the temptation, when I partake of it, when I go and grab a bite of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now I have sinned. I'm now sinning. Why? Because of what God told me not to do in this particular case. So when you look at this, he says, uh, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, notice this, that ye may be able to bear it. In other words, you're able to overcome it. You can handle it. I can't handle it on my own. He promised me, look, every one of us are going to have temptation enter into our lives. There's not a single solitary person sitting in this auditorium that somewhere down the line, either tonight, tomorrow, this week, this month, this year, are going to be tempted to sin against God. It's all going to happen to every one of us. But God is faithful. Now, that's what you need to remember when it comes to sin. God is faithful. And when that sin comes, God promised me in that verse, there's a way out. I'll give you a way to escape so that it's not overwhelming to you, so that it's not something you cannot bear, it's something that you can overcome. And here's the thing. I've heard people share with me, I'm not strong enough. You're right. You are not strong enough to overcome it. You need Christ to be able to overcome the sin. You need him in that situation. Now, you're given the ability to triumph over even the temptation to sin by the Word of God, and you can use the power of the Word of God to conquer the desire to do wrong. You say, how does that happen? I just shared with you. You have to put on the mind of Christ. You have to look to the Scriptures and find out whatever you're being tempted with, God has an answer to move you away from that temptation to fall into sin. Now, one of the things I believe you ought to do is you ought to learn the Scriptures and learn that God's there to help you. He said, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Did he say, I'll do that only when you're not being tempted? He promised it at any time, didn't he? And so God, the Holy Spirit, resides in us. If you are a saved man or woman, the Holy Spirit is in you. God gives you an ability to draw upon the Spirit of God to move away from the desire to sin. When temptations come, that's all it is, folks. And it's common. God said it is common. Temptation is common among all men. But God is faithful, and he'll give you a way out so that you can handle it. Second thought is this. God can help you overcome the desire to do wrong. Verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So then the Lord makes it clear that what draws a man away from doing right is his own desire. Now, I don't have time to go to all these, but you can write this down. In Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, you know, David being the psalmist, being the writer of this, go and look at that. 
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the what? Ungodly. Or sitteth in the seat of the scornful, right? He, he teaches us this. By the time you get to verse 6, God said, you know what? I got a problem with the sinner, but the righteous, you don't have to walk in all that. Now, I don't have time to go into all that and expound on that, but I want to challenge you to go and read this. And what I want you to know is we have choices. And choices are yours. I can preach whatever from this pulpit, and when you walk out of here, you make choices. It does not matter sometimes what's preached from the pulpit. You're going to walk out and you're going to make choices about what you've heard. And you're going to choose to say God's word is truth. I understand now, preacher, that temptation is common among all people. Uh, preacher, I understand God is faithful. God, uh, Preacher, I understand now that God's going to give me a way out of this. And I understand that I'm drawn away by my own lust. The things that I desire is what's drawing me away. But I have a faithful God who will help me overcome it. Now, we have choices. And the choices we make will be biblical or they'll be flesh-driven. They'll be according to the truth of the Word of God, and they'll be according to my flesh. By the way, there isn't anything else. <laughs> it's going to be what God wants for me or what I want. And it goes that way, and the choice is yours, and you make that choice. Now, you have to give in to the Spirit if you're to overcome temptation. Let me ask you something. You do not have to raise your hand. You know when you're being tempted, don't you? Am I right? Do you know when you're being tempted? You know whatever tempts you, it's there and it's before you and you have a choice to make, don't you? You do. No one can make that choice for you. You have to make the choice. So what is your choice? Well, at the moment, I either choose Christ or I choose the sin. I choose what the Spirit desires or I choose what the flesh desires. If sinners entice thee, do what? Consent thou not. Don't consent to someone enticing you to do wrong. And the Bible's clear that you don't have to give in to that temptation. Why? Because you're saved. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 1.10, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. God tells us that it is our own lust that draws us into temptation. Now, this is the reason that we have to teach the next generation this. We have a generation of people being raised up that are blaming everybody else for what's wrong with them. I hear it all the time, folks. I counsel people, and one of the things is, is they always want to talk about what somebody else did and why they're doing what they're doing today because of what they did yesterday. I don't have to be the person that maybe my family was because they did those things. I still have a choice to make. I'm a grown man. And I have a choice to make. And I can either choose to go back and be with my family and drown myself in drugs and alcohol and pornography and all that nonsense, or I can walk with God. Right? Amen. It's a choice, isn't it? And a grown man makes choices. And you can't continually sit there and blame other people for the choices that you're making. No matter how difficult they get sometimes. This is the reason we really need to teach this next generation that another person's not responsible for their current behavior. 
we're so busy blaming a previous generation that we forget that we're responsible for our own actions. <laughs> Adam took a bite of that fruit. Did God blame Eve? Who did God go after? He went to talk to Adam first, didn't he? Adam knew what the truth was. Adam knew what he shouldn't have done. God came and said, where art thou? <laughs> What'd you do? What have you done? When Cain killed Abel, God came to find him. He said, where's your brother? What'd Cain say? Am I my brother's keeper? I just want you to know God holds people accountable for their own actions. When I stand before God, every sin that you all commit, I won't have to answer for. Do you know whose sin I'll have to answer for? My own. In this sense, that instead of doing what I should have been doing for the Lord, I was out busy doing things I shouldn't have been doing for my own flesh. I'll either receive a reward that I can lay at my Savior's feet, or it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble, isn't it? It's going to be burned up in the fire. And you make choices every day. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Your choices involve people, and they involve uh, folks that you don't think they affect, but your choices affect other people. And, and when you make decisions, you've got to understand it can be more far-reaching than you ever understood. So one of the things I wanted you to be encouraged to do is teach your children that they're responsible for their own actions. Teach your children that they're responsible for their own actions. Uh, listen, hey, uh, grandparents, teach the grandchildren they're responsible for their own actions. They're responsible for their own actions. Uh, I think we ought to teach our Sunday school classes that they're responsible for their own actions. People we disciple, the choices that they make, they're responsible for their own actions. I am not responsible for the actions that other people choose to make. I am responsible for my own. Now, as I share that with you, you've got to realize decisions that you make today can affect you for the rest of your life. And we don't really think that way sometimes. And we think that our sin is our own and it's private and nobody knows and all those kinds of things. I want you to know, you have no, you have no idea how far-reaching your sin goes. And it can affect other people. Now, it is your own longing to be involved with that which is forbidden, not the actions of another, because you have a choice. Romans 6.1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the next phrase? God forbid. He said, perish the thought, put it to death. That's foolishness. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, put that thought to death. He tells us in Romans chapter uh, 6, verses 6 and 7, he makes this statement. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. We've been freed from that, and he's telling us you don't have to serve it anymore. You're no longer a slave to sin. You, as a saved person, have a choice. And James is telling us that. When you look into the Scriptures, then what is the answer to avoid this temptation? Let me give you some ways to avoid temptation, okay? He said he makes a way to escape, right? So here's what Jesus said. Watch and pray. To avoid temptation, Jesus said, watch and pray. 
Now, where did he say that? Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not in temptation. Now, he makes a phrase after that. He says something after that. The spirit indeed is willing. Now, I want you to know something. Listen to what that says. Now, here's the thing. If you are saved, where is the Holy Spirit? Inside me. The Holy Spirit is with me. Is this making sense? I want you to get a hold of this because that passage says, watch and pray. Watch and pray that you don't enter not into sin, but that you don't enter into what? Temptation. Temptation is simply temptation. And he says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Now, the reason he's saying that, because you may be tempted, but you need to pray that you don't enter into it. Isn't that what that passage teaches us? He said, pray you don't enter into it. Now, listen, the spirit indeed is willing, but what is weak? The flesh is weak. But who's faithful? God is. God is faithful. When you're being tempted, you need to start talking to God. When you're being tempted, you need to ask God to pull you away from that temptation. I don't know what it is. I know it's common among all of us because God told us, didn't he? I know that it's common to every person sitting in this room and your age is not a factor. The fact is there are temptations that are set before us. And God said this, I'll make a way to what? I'll give you a way out. You've got to choose to, right? The Spirit indeed is willing. Where is the Holy Spirit? In us. <laughs> so we cannot say God is tempting us. God's giving us a way out, isn't he? God's giving us a way out. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, and be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the what? Spirit. He said, don't let anything control you. That's what he's saying when he uses that phrase. He's not saying it's okay to drink. He's saying be ye not drunk with wine, where is in excess. In other words, he's telling you anything you take into your body that's doing that, anything you take in that's controlling you, uh, listen, you need to let the Spirit fill you. You need to let the Spirit control you. And by the way, when I'm telling you that you put on the new man, which is after righteousness and true to holiness, that's what God's talking about here. He's talking about you being renewed in the spirit of your mind. You put off that old man. You renew your mind by the word of God and the truth of the word of God and the power of the word of God then works in you to help you in those times of need. He tells us in 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. There's something to this, folks, and that is this. When temptation is there, start praying. He said, watch and do what? Pray. You need to start thinking that way. And so what I want to imprint upon your minds is this. When you're tempted tonight or tomorrow or this week, or this month, or this year, God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. He's trying to give you a way out, and you need to look for the way out, and that way out, his name is Jesus. That's your way out. That's how you get out of it. He tells us then in Mark 14, 38, watch ye and pray. He said, you specifically. When he says the word ye is used in the King James Bible, He's saying, watch ye, you specifically watch and pray. And then this is what he said, and I like it here. He said, lest ye enter into temptation. Now listen to this. The spirit is truly ready. <laughs> Isn't that good? 
The Spirit's ready all the time. The Spirit is ready for what? The Spirit is truly ready, but the flesh is weak. The Spirit's ready to do right, isn't He? The Spirit's ready to take us away from it. The Spirit is ready to get us out. The Spirit is ready to help us escape. The Spirit is ready to walk away from it. The Spirit wants you to get away from the sin. The Spirit wants to put the sin and the temptation aside. He wants you to move forward for Christ. You know, you can find power to overcome temptation in your life by turning to the truth. And then here's the thing. When you read God's Word, you are not just reading any book. You are reading the Word of God. It has power. And when you know it and the temptations come, you have the power to prevail. You have the power to overcome. So then what is important is to practice you've got to take God's word and you can say, you know what, I, I need to do this. I've got to put it into practice. It's to watch and be vigilant in your time of prayer, asking the Lord to protect you. Listen, even Job himself, he said, Lord, he said, would you put blinders on me? Job said, Lord, would you put blinders on me so I will not look upon my maiden? He asked God to do something for him. The Spirit is what, folks? Willing, isn't he? The Spirit is truly ready to do these things. Do you know what it is? We fail to watch and pray sometimes. And by the way, you will be tempted this week, I promise you. The devil's not stupid. He, he, I mean, he hears what I'm saying to you tonight. Every one of you that are sitting in here, he knows what I'm telling you. And when the temptation comes, you need to turn to the Lord to overcome it. The power to conquer the desire to do wrong is through practicing the truth of God's Word. Now, the results of giving into temptation comes with a price. Look at verse 15 of James chapter 1. Then when lust hath conceived, lust, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Now, here's the thing. When sin is birthed, it births what? Death. That's crazy, isn't it? Birth is to bring life to something, isn't it? But sin, when it's finished, it does something when it's birthed. What does it bring? Death. There's nothing in it. And so what you have to come to the conclusion is, is that God's telling us right here that our lust when we conceive. Now, you think about conception for a moment. We're bringing this stuff up. We're causing this stuff to come together. We're allowing it to kind of mate. There's the temptation. Here's the flesh. We're going to mate. When we mate, what happens? Death. We birth death when we sin. Now, the desire to do wrong is first conceived or given birth in our mind. We think of these things and then we conjure them up and then we go and we do them. And, and, and the idea is here is you're pondering or thinking on someone or something with the intent to do wrong. <laughs> Don't do that. Watch and pray. Don't ponder on the wrong, ponder on the right. If you're thinking wrong thoughts, ask God to take over. And, and listen, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity what? Every what? 
fought to whom? To the obedience of who? Christ. He's making a way to what? Escape, isn't he? He's giving you a way out. He's giving you a way out. <laughs> He's saying here's an opportunity to get away from it. To conceive is to form or devise a plan or an idea in the mind or to form a mental representation of or image of the desire. <laughs> Folks, listen. The pornographic industry is a multi-billion dollar business today. And the only way that it can be a multi-billion dollar business is because people are watching it. If you're being enticed by that stuff, you need to ask God to help you take that away from you. And when that temptation comes on that phone or on that computer or on that television set or wherever it may be coming through in your life, you need to ask God to take it away. Because it's going to send you down a path that's going to burst sin. And when sin is finished, when it's conceived and it's burst and it's finished, what happens? I've watched pornography destroy families, destroy marriages, destroy men, destroy women. And there are more people and more Christians getting involved in it today than any other time. I've watched men have to come off the mission field. I've watched men have to step down from the pulpit. I've watched deacons have to be stepping down. I've watched people just get to the place where they've allowed this to enter into their lives, and it absolutely destroys them because that stuff makes an imprint on the mind. Temptation. You need to give it up. You say, well, I don't have the power. I know. But God is what? He's faithful. He's there to help you. And he'll help you overcome it. Temptation is simply just that. But when you act upon that temptation, regardless of what it is, it leads to wrong desire. And then when you act upon that desire, sin is birthed. And in James, you're given a biblical principle to help you to overcome or conquer temptation. And it says this in James. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God and do something. Resist the what? Every time you have that phone on or you got that computer on or you got that thing, uh, Dominic was up here, uh, Greasy, and I asked him, I said, hey, listen, I said, uh, I go on the internet from time to time, and I said, when I'm going on the internet, I said, there's this thing that just pops up over on the side of the screen. Anybody ever know, have you ever seen those? They just, they pop up on the side of the screen. I said, I want to get rid of that. He said, you want to get rid of it? I said, yeah. He said, I can help you do that. I said, it's great. He got rid of it. Do you know why? Every one of them stinking things that pop up on the side of the screen, I don't desire to look at. I said, I need you to do away with them. He said, we'll do away with them. He got rid of them. Do you know where they were coming through? On Fox News. He said, I don't want to see that no more. Now, here's the thing. You have to make a conscious effort to get rid of stuff out of your life that's going to tempt you. Men, you have to do that. Ladies, you have to do that. Keep that stuff out of your life. Keep the temptations out of your life. Now listen, it doesn't have to be pornography. It can be anything. I had someone come to me not long ago, and they said, you know, I realized I was ruining my family's budget, and here's why. I was on Pinterest so much, and I was on these uh, websites so much, and I was going and buying all this stuff so much, I was killing our family budget. If you're tempted by it, do something about it. Are you with me? Amen. Get rid of it. Because what is it doing to you? It's hurting you. First Peter 5, 8, and 9. Be sober, 
He's not talking about being not drunk. He said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now listen to this. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Amen? How do you resist the devil? By what? Faith. God said, submit yourselves therefore to God and do what? Resist the devil. What did Peter say? Resist the devil by what? Faith. That's how you resist him. Now, when sin has its way, it comes with a terrible consequence. And, and the Bible says when sin is, is consummated, it brings forth that which is deadly or death itself. And so sin defined, I did this for you the other night, and I want you to write these verses down because Romans 14, 23 very clearly tells us what's sin. The Bible says this. Now, I know we like to look at certain things and we like to think, well, my sin's not as bad as their sin, and I see this sin worse than I see this sin. And so if they're doing that sin and I'm doing this sin, their sin's far worse than the sin I'm doing. Well, I want to read to you what the Bible says. In Romans 14, 23, For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If it's not of faith, it's sin. Now, I just read to you here, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Resist who? The devil. By how? Faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Are you with me? Isn't it wonderful how consistent the Bible is? <laughs> it's beautiful, man. It's just so beautiful to see what God teaches us. So, the Bible also says in 1 John 5, 17, all unrighteousness is sin. Now, I know we like to pick out little things, you know, alcoholism or drug addiction or pornography, or we like to, maybe we have some pet peeve sin about lying or whatever it is, but the Bible clearly says two things. If it's not a faith, it's what? Sin. All unrighteousness is sin. <laughs> it's not hard, is it? We make it harder, or we kind of define it, because, man, when I can define, and I can have these types of sins, I mean, it makes it far better than to really think about what God taught us. And God taught us a couple of things. So when we read the scriptures, Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. I had a man tell me, and I'm telling you, he scared me to death. He was getting ready to marry somebody too. And here's what he said to me. You see my feet right here? He said, I know how far out I can walk onto the edge before I fall. And so I can do some things and not allow myself to fall into sin. <laughs> I thought, if you're the one that's doing it, God ain't doing nothing. And you just sinned, buddy. No. <laughs> and here's the thing. Who wants to walk out to the edge? How long do you think I can keep doing this, inching out, before I end up falling here? Huh? Right now. And I think I know. I want to tell you, we don't know anything. God is faithful. Amen? Amen. God gives you a way to escape. He, he tells you how to stay away from the edge. Amen? Amen. And, he, and he says, stay away from that arena. And listen, in our mind, there's a way which seemeth right unto man. That man thought that he could walk out to the edge without falling. But he never thought about Satan coming up behind him and pushing him, did he? He never thought about how the world is going to push you over or cause you to fall. And the thing of it is, is that we have to trust God and not ourselves. 
Now, learn to think biblically and avoid your own way. Isaiah 1.18, I used this this morning when I was talking and preaching this morning. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. You know, when I read that, come now and let us reason together, I think God wants to talk to us. <laughs> How many of you agree with that? Huh? He wants to speak to us. And listen, you know, our sin is as scarlet, but it can be as white as what? Snow. We need to confess our sins because he's faithful and just. He's faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much.